0: God speaks to us in His Word in Jude 1, 17 through 23. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Kim. Morning, everybody. It's good to see you. We we made it, man. We got all the way through spring and summer, and now it's fall weather outside. I don't know how we did it. Somehow, Oklahoma never ceases to amaze me. Um, even though it feels like fall, it's obviously summer, and I love summertime. Um, I'm sure you do too. But summertimes uh, in this church. Um, is a lot of people traveling, a lot of people out. We got to send our college students. Um, they, a lot of them graduated Saturday. So if you are uh, among them, congratulations. Proud of you guys, but they'll be gone for the summer. So, um, so we're a small but mighty crowd over the summer. And I want to invite you to do something. Uh, this summer, you're going to take vacations. That's a good thing for you to do. You need rest. You need to hang out with your family, no doubt about it. Uh, Take time off, cruise around. I don't know what y'all are going to be doing, Um, but here's what I would invite you to do. When you take a vacation, don't take a vacation from Jesus and don't take a vacation from the church. We actually need the church to follow Jesus. And so I want to invite you this summer, um, do your part to really be a part of this body. Here's what will happen if you don't. This is without fail. Drifting outside of the church, drifting away from the church, you will eventually drift away from Jesus. I've seen it a thousand times. One of the saddest things that I've witnessed uh, in my life as a pastor, but also just as a Christian, are people who have been with us, have been following Jesus. And uh, in COVID, when we we shut it down, in COVID, when people kind of got away from community, I've seen multiple people that have fallen away from the faith because of that. So I wanna invite you. Jude's actually gonna talk to us today about that. I wanna invite you and charge you as your pastor and your friend, don't vacation from the church. Don't vacation from Jesus. Go spend time away from this place. I get it, man, take vacation. I'm gonna do that as well. But stay connected with a local body so that you can stay connected with Jesus. That's how he designed for us to follow him. There's no other way. There's not a plan B. There's not a you come up with your plan. There's no other way. We have to stay connected with each other, even when it's hard and we disagree. Can we do that together? Okay, let's do that. All right. Hey, if I haven't met you, by the way, my name is Ben. I serve as a lead pastor here, one of the pastors, but the lead pastor is my role. And we are preaching out of a book of the Bible that nobody knows anything about. And most of you have never thought about it or maybe even read it. Some of you have never even heard of the book of Jude. Jude is a small book, one chapter. Um, In the New Testament, right before you get to Revelation, it was written by a man named Jude. Translated, his actual name is Judah or Judas. And I can see why. This dude said, I don't want anybody calling me Judas. Call me Jude. Thank you very much. Jude was the blood brother of Jesus. Okay? Jesus had brothers. He actually had blood brothers. Jesus was born. Believe it or not, he was a human baby and a human being. Jude was one of his blood brothers. And Jude actually never tells us that which is one of the points of Jude. He comes right out of the gate. He doesn't say, because this is what I would say, he doesn't say, everybody, I'm gonna talk to you about Jesus, and guess what? I grew up with him. He's my brother, so listen to me. I know whether or not he snores. (laughs) You don't. I know what it's like to eat food with Jesus. I know whether or not he's a good cook. I grew up with him. I know more than you, He's my brother, let me tell you about Jesus. That's what I would do, I would say that among other things. Jude comes right out of the gate and he sets the tone for the theme of the book and here's what he says, not I'm a brother of Jesus, he says I'm a servant of Jesus, a servant of Jesus. One of the themes of Jude is that Jesus is not just brother only, he's also master. And Jude tells us straight up I am his servant He is my master. I am his servant. Jesus' family was close to him on earth, but they actually thought he was crazy. They called him insane. After he died and was resurrected and came to and showed himself to them, they then became his followers. Jude's imploring us today the same thing. Don't get too familiar with Jesus. He's not just your friend. He's not just your brother. He is Master. That's been the theme up to this point. We've now had two weeks in Jude. Jude has charged us to do three things. Well, he's told us we are three things. We are called by God. That means before the foundation of the world, God actually called us and he continues to call us. We didn't call God. God called us. We would never know how to call God. We weren't even looking for him. He found us, he called us. And then the second is we are beloved, meaning this. God sets his love on us. You know how he does that? Because he himself is love. So I don't know how crazy you feel or unlovable you feel. If you are a Christian called by God today, he loves you. You are his beloved. And the third thing is kept. We are kept by God. Called, beloved, and kept. Kept meaning he does the keeping. We don't do the keeping. But what Jude is about to tell us is that we actually have work to do in the fight for faith in our lives. The big theme of Jude is contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Notice Jude doesn't stop with contend for the faith. Notice Jude doesn't stop with contend for your faith. Your faith might be different than the next guy's faith. Well, that sounds like 2022, doesn't it? Whatever you believe about God, whatever you think God should be, whatever whatever you think that God owes you, by all means, worship that God. That's 22, 22, screaming that to us. If God does not fit your ideas of sexual life, your ideas of sexual identity, if God does not fit your ideas of what you should do with your money, whether or not you should get more or have more... If God does not fit into those ideas, then away with God. You build a God in your image that looks like you and gives you exactly what you want. That's 2022. Jude is writing, I mean, over 2000 years ago, close to it, he's writing to a church and he tells them this. So if you ever think the Bible was only meant for these people, this will help you remember, the Bible has a heartbeat. It is alive today. He says to them, contend for the faith, once for all, delivered to all the saints. There is a faith, and it's not the one that you make up. It is, we, it is settled. There is a faith, it's settled. We cannot change it. It's not changeable. Contend, he says. The word contend means to agonize agonize fight you're gonna have to fight for it even if you have a little bit of faith we fight in that little bit of faith we have for the faith why do we have to do that Jude actually says I was gonna go write a letter to you about something really fun common salvation he said but it came to my attention in verse four there are those that have crept in unnoticed and here's what they do they pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus. They change God's grace to give them a license to do whatever they want to do, and in doing so, they deny Jesus as master. My goodness, that sounds like today. Contend for the faith. Why contend in 2022? Why not just go with the flow? Go with the cultural flow. Everywhere there's apostasy. Multiple apostasy means once believed, don't believe anymore, away from God, not a believer. Um, One of the things that Jude says in verse five, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it. Jude is writing a letter of remembrance. And he says, although you once fully knew it. Apostasy means you once believed it, would have said yes and amen, and you've done some things now. Distance yourself from the church, been not connected to the vine. You've done some things now, and the fruit of those things have actually led you to fall away from the faith. I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, in 2022, why not just go with the flow? Apostasy is everywhere. Sexual preference, idolatry. This phrase is what we believe. It's the idol of our day. It's our statement of faith. My God is myself. I can do what I want to do. I should be able. I should be, it should be championed. There's a quote that I've put up here. I'm gonna read it out loud to you. It feels like an identifier for our world today. Worship yourself, your worth, and the light that shines inside you. You are worthy, you are unique, you are holy, and you are light. Worship yourself. Now just take a look at that, take a minute to let that kind of sit into your mind. You might think that that's the lyric of a song. Sounds like something that someone would sing. Or it could be to you that that's like, man, maybe that's out of Rolling Stone magazine, that's whatever. This is actually a doctrinal statement from a church. Worship yourself. It's a church online. This is their doctrinal statement. This is everywhere. This belief is everywhere. It is in the fabric of our culture. It's not new. Jude wrote this book a long time ago. Jude is actually right on time for 2022. Going with the flow of culture is going in the wrong direction. Listen to me. To follow Jesus means to swim against a cultural current. Jude was gonna write something else. He found it necessary to write for them to contend for the faith. I think it's necessary for us today. Today Jude is gonna warn us against the pull of the world. He's gonna remind us again who we are and then he's gonna tell us how we can stay a Christian. So let's jump in. First the warning, verse 17. You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. I love that. You must remember, beloved. You must remember. I have an impeccable memory. It's... I amaze myself at how much I remember. My mind is a steel trap. I have a photographic memory, anything anybody's ever said. I remember everybody's names, anybody I've ever met. I remember faces. Says nobody in this room. Me especially. There are people in this room that know me really well right now, and they have been holding their laughter this entire time. I have a terrible memory. The older I get, the worse it gets. The more responsib- responsibilities I have, the more my mind shrinks. And it wasn't very big to start with. Our forgetfulness as people and as Christians is one of our worst enemies. The Bible tells us to remember a lot. Paul says, remember you, do not, you did not learn Christ in this way. Christian in the room. That's who Jude's talking to. Remember, beloved, loved by God. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You forgot. Remember, wake up. Open your eyes. You are not the person that you are currently acting like. We forget who we are We forget who we follow and we forget what we signed up for. If any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's what we signed up for. Death to self, to follow Jesus. Remember what God has told us in his word. We need better memories. The word of God is so important for us because it helps us remember. We need things like communion every Sunday. We need to remember the body and blood of Jesus. We need things like prayer and liturgy at times. We need to sing. We need to show up together. We need to not forsake the gathering of believers. We need those things because we are so everything is not up and to the right. We are always constantly going to trying to be pulled in the current of culture. Following Jesus is going against the flow of culture. We need to remember God, who we are, who we follow, how we're supposed to follow and what his word says. I, the evidence of this is how shocked we are when something that happens a lot happens to us. We get shocked when God proves that he's God. You ever seen anybody healed physically or heard of it? Shocks me. <laughs> wow, I forgot that God can heal a body. When God heals emotionally, What about any miracle at all? Shocked. How about when God is faithful? That's the most shocking thing. When he's totally faithful, when you cannot figure out how something's gonna work out and God provides for you in some way. Or we're surprised when God is God in his silence. God is silent sometimes. It doesn't mean he's not present. It means he's just silent. Or we get shocked at God in his authority when God says no to us through his word or through someone else using his word. When God says no, we're shocked. How could you? What in the world? God? When God's plans are different than ours, we get really surprised by God. We shouldn't be. God's never changed. You've changed. You'll change this time tomorrow god never has changed but we're surprised by him we also get shocked when we face opposition when we face pain and suffering first peter 4 sums it up for us it says beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you what is this pain and suffering How strange, didn't expect this. We get shocked when we face opposition by the world. Matthew 10, you will be hated. This is Jesus' words. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Or when there's spiritual opposition, 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's not a maybe, it is a fact, he does. We should not be surprised when we face opposition in the world. We need reminders, we forget. And when fiery trials come on us, according to 1 Peter 4, we act like something strange is happening to us. I cannot believe that people oppose my faith. I cannot believe that I struggle with doubt. I can't believe that this marriage is hard. I can't believe fill in the blank. Let's not be surprised. It is promised, it is a given. We need constant reminders that God is both Savior and Master and that we are His beloved and that we are all called by God and beloved by God and then kept by God, we need to remember that. We need reminders that we will face opposition both inside and outside the church and then both inside and outside of our own selves. There are times inside of me when I'm at perfect, I feel at peace. I'm like, this will never change. I finally achieved that state of mind where I love Jesus, I trust him, I love the Bible, I'm excited about my life, all is gravy. Finally, I've gone through enough trials in my life to finally get to this place where it's just smooth sailing. Probably by next week, I'll have completely conquered sin for the rest of my life. Internally, I feel that way sometimes. You do too, I'm sure. And then I'm so shocked when I struggle. We need to remember that we are gonna face opposition inside and outside the church, but both inside and outside of ourselves. Jude is saying, remember, beloved, and then the theme, fight for the faith. You'll have to uh, agonize for it, contend for it. So let's move on. Verse 18, they said to you, the apostles, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Last time simply means anything after Jesus' resurrection. That's what it means. We're not talking about the last few days of earth. We're talking about every single day past Jesus' resurrection. Scoffers, they'll follow their own ungodly passions, those that mock the faith once delivered. First Corinthians, for the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Wisdom of the world, verse 19, it says, it is these who cause divisions. Worldly people devoid of the spirit. So now Jude, listen to this, he's talking to the church. He's telling them there are those that follow the world. They are the ones that cause divisions among you. Do you know why? Because it is so enticing. It's actually enticing to our core. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. There was what the Bible calls the lie, not a lie. In Genesis 3, you know the story, Adam and Eve. There's a serpent. They're not supposed to eat of the tree. The serpent comes to them. He tells them a lie. Everything was great. They didn't want to eat from the tree until the serpent came and introduced a lie. The serpent says to them, did God actually say not eat of the tree? Eve gives him this great dissertation. She has no confusion about it at all. God said, don't eat of the tree. If you do, you will surely die. The serpent asked Eve about the tree. She says, yes. God said, if we eat of that tree, we will surely die. The serpent did what the serpent does, crafty. He says, did God actually say that? Did he really say that? You will not die. You'll know what God knows. You'll be like him. You will finally be God. At that point, Eve, the Bible says, saw that the tree was good for eating. It's enticing. Worldly people causing divisions in the church. That is where we are. We are constantly in 2022 being formed by the lie. It's all around us. It's pulling us away from God. That lie, you can be God, you can make the world the way that you want it to be and have everybody else fall in line. Devoid of the spirit. It's interesting that people can think they're following the Holy Spirit when they're actually only following their feelings. God the Holy Spirit never contradicts himself and he actually wrote this book. This book is our anchor, the Bible. We follow the spirit, it lines up with this book. There's an idolatry of self in this. You are God, God is you, therefore, whatever you feel must be right and godly. That is the mark That is the march of apostasy. The first step always is, you know better than God. It's the moment we exchange the truth for the lie. Romans one, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. Bible must be our compass. Jude's given us a warning. He's told us about historical examples that fell away earlier Cain, Balaam, and Korah. And now is the massive turn of the book. Now is when Jude looks at us. By God's grace, he puts his hand under our chin, picks our head up, and here's what he says. But you, beloved, but you, beloved, you are different. I'm talking to you now. You are beloved of God, but you. We've talked about all the warnings. We talked about all the people who've fallen away, but you, beloved, there's something different for you, and here's what I'm telling you to do now. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Build yourselves up in faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Anchor to God's love. Wait for mercy that leads to eternal life. One of the two major points in this section for me is this. He's telling us, beloved, build yourselves up. That requires action. Contending for the faith requires action. It requires action. Build yourself up. Work. Build. You do it. You do it. God working beside you and you working as well. God with his hand on your back, but you working. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Go pray. This isn't a suggestion, this is you have to do this. In the Holy Spirit, there's a difference between praying just in yourself and then praying and saying, God, the Holy Spirit, I I wanna hear you. Talk to me. How arrogant do we have to be to think that we can ignore the Holy Spirit and still follow Jesus? We have to have the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus. Him active in us, anchored to God's love. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Here's how. It's simple. John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Remember what God has done. Remember what he says about us. Remember his eternal promises to his people. We're so forgetful. Remember what Jesus has done, what he's gone through. Remember his act on earth. One of For me personally, one of the best things that has happened to me in my walk with Jesus is I became a pastor. I mean, it's simultaneously one of the hardest things that's ever happened to me, but I like, I have to study the Bible to preach it. I have to, and it it requires a lot of me. I'm not like a natural studier. I don't read well. I'm not super smart. Shocking to you guys, I can tell. But what it's done is it's, May this book allow to me, and the closer I get to Jesus through the Bible, the less I care about my own rights. And that's the invitation for you today. Get close to Jesus, you'll care less about your rights. Remember what he says about us. Remember who he is. Wait for mercy that leads to eternal life. This waiting for mercy is not passive, It's not sitting idly by, waiting is an active waiting. Wait for mercy that leads to eternal life. When waiting is done right, it's not lazy at all. It's more of a posture of peace and peace requires action. Have an eternal mindset. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you in 1 Peter. So we wait for mercy that leads to eternal life. Do you understand this is not just about waiting for Christ to return. It is about that, but it's not just that. It's active pursuit of peace. It's waiting, not sitting on our hands. It's having the mindset of eternity. When I think about the stuff right around me, when I think about the stuff in this room, when I think about just myself, I struggle. I make mistakes, my mind goes crazy, I get anxious. But if I were to live my life with eternity in view, then that affects the way that I treat everybody around me. That affects what I do with my money. That affects the way that I work or I treat my kids or that affects whether or not I worship Jesus. Eternity As soon as we start to see around us, man, we lose sight of eternity. Jude would say, wait for mercy that leads to eternal life. Now, how do we do all of that? Here's how. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We need Jesus to actually have faith. Active faith, the requirement of that, man, is just to be connected to him. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So my second point is this, is active faith, it does something, it produces fruit. Active faith produces fruit, Jude one twenty two. as we move on. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This is Jude saying this. Build yourselves up in faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Act. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That produces this. You know what it produces? Mercy. Mercy. Faith requires action. James says it You have faith, I have work. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I love this. You believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. When our faith is active, active, when we're connected to the vine, fruit comes from it. And I love the fruit that is produced. Most would think about fruit being some sort of Zen-like achievement or maybe gets us closer to perfection. Maybe the fruit that we see is a fruit of bigger paycheck and Less sin, or I mean, that's less sin is for sure a byproduct of active faith, but it's the effort that's required for us to produce food, fruit. Dallas Wheeler says it this grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Here's three ways that the fruit of our active faith is demonstrated in Jude one, mercy on those who doubt, mercy on those who doubt. Listen to me. We live in Oklahoma, a lot of us do, Bible Belt, where church culture is a culture that we're not allowed to feel and say real things. This old adage about leaving our distractions at the door is terrible. I hate it, we're not gonna say it here. And I'm not trying to offend other church, I I get it, man, I get the point of that. But what kind of God would he be if, in order to come to him, I had to leave my distractions? You know what happens when we do that? Then we bring a fake self to God, as opposed to the one that needs to bring our whole true self. Church should be the most honest place. Church should be the safest place for us to be honest in the world. And I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag for you guys. You need help. You need help. You have not figured out how to do this. You are not gonna all of a sudden just have a glorified body when you leave here. You need help. I need help. I need help from you and you need help from me and each other. Let's be honest about our lives. Mercy on those who doubt. In the church, it is okay for you to doubt your faith. Let me say it again. The church should be the safest place to be honest about what you think or don't think. Doubting is a part of human nature. It is a big fat lie for us to sit here and act like doubting somehow is in opposition to humanity. It's not. Just because you doubt your faith at times doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden apostate. One of Jesus' disciples was known as a doubter, Thomas. Doubting actually means that you're allowing yourself to have actual thoughts and ask actual questions and not simply just borrow faith or ideals. Doubting means that you're human. To have active faith means this, that you bear the fruit of mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on them. You know why you can have mercy? Because somebody had mercy on you, that's why. It also means this, that we snatch people out of the fire. Fruit of faith means compassion and patience that leads to active pursuit of brothers and sisters in sin. People are away from the gospel, away from the church, which is our natural bend. We snatch them out of the fire. That's fruit of faith. Fruit of false faith means that we ignore them. A false faith means that we sort of just subscribe to a social cultural view of Christianity and the gospel. But really at the core of it is every other type of thing. Self idolatry. When we, let me explain what I mean. When we make ourselves as God, then the goal is for everyone to worship us as God, including ourselves. And what that does in turn, if that's the goal, then it's really hard to go and offend someone and tell them you are in sin, you are out of God's will, come back. Because our main point is so that they worship us. That's false faith. That's idolatry. Fruit of faith is, means that we snatch them out of the fire. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care if you hate me the rest of my life. This is about your soul, this is about your livelihood. I love you enough to give you faithful wounds. It also means that we show mercy, but with fear. Show mercy with fear, Jude says. Galatians 6, one, brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's important. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too become tempted. We show mercy, but with fear. Healthy fear. And finally, he says, "We we hate even the garment stained by the flesh. Perfection this side of Heaven is not real. It'll never happen to you. But there is something. The fruit of active faith produces in us a hatred for the things that we struggle with still. We don't talk about them in some flippant way. We struggle. We fight. We listen to people. And we keep fighting. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you. And finally... Staying connected to the vine, that means something to us. That means that is a true statement for you and I today. And it means a type of grace and mercy that we have to have, that we have to hang on to. And here's what it means this is the culmination of all of Jude. It's in his last two verses. And you'll learn more about it next week. It means this there is one who is able to keep you from stumbling. There's one, he is the anchor of our life. He's the one that starts and finishes faith. He himself is the one that we stay connected to. I am the vine, you are the branches. And Jude sums it up beautifully, he says now in a prayer, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Active faith, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. How? Because it is God who is at work in you. We need to take steps Walk with God leading, with his hand on our back, with him pulling us along, but we are walking. Faith requires action. That's why Jude says, don't sit idly by. You're gonna flow in the direction of culture if you do that. Go against the grain, go against the current with culture. Contend for your faith. Agonize for it. Fight for it. There are those who didn't fight for it. They've fallen away. Jesus is not just friend. He's not just comfort chair for you. Jesus is master. He leads us. We follow. The good news today is that he is infinitely better than all of us. He's actually really good. And he actually helps us, and does the work for us in some mysterious way that I don't understand. God is at work in us. It's the one who's able to keep you from stumbling. Well, we are about to, in this room, just like we do every Sunday, we're about to put our faith to action. We are gonna do something that requires faith to do it, and at the same time also strengthens our faith to everyone in the room who is forgetful, to all of us who have forgotten that we follow Jesus and that my life is not my own, to all of us in the room like that, we're gonna do the thing that we do every Sunday. We're gonna take communion together because it says do it often and when you do, remember me. So if today, maybe you've forgotten today and just let this serve as a reminder. If you are a Christian, if you've been baptized into Christ in the family of faith, I wanna invite you to take this table with us today. And as you do it, just remember as you walk down the aisle, you are literally symbolizing and also actually taking steps of active faith to come and remember Jesus and what he's done. Let's stand together and if you're serving the